Welcome to the Ben Beard Show, brought to you by Redcliffe Homes. We're bringing you local business owners to discuss life and business here in the Mesilla Valley. All right, so our guest today is Marcy Dickerson. So let's just jump into this. Marcy, who are you? What do you do? Tell us about you, yourself, and your businesses. Well, you know, I will say I'm a lifelong um, Las Cruces resident. Our family has actually been in Las Cruces since before New Mexico was a state. Um, So certainly I was born and bred in Las Cruces. I currently own two restaurants, which is both The Game, The Game 1 and The Game 2. And then we also have a catering company. Um, So our catering company used to be fun and fabulous. Now we are non-existent at the moment due to the limitations that we're facing. Um, with mass gatherings, so there's that. And then we also, you know, I also founded a charity in 2017 called Revolution 120 because I wanted to make sure that there was a better way to help people in crisis in Doniana County and in our community. So that's, you know, kind of the current things. We do things all the time, but that's pretty much the general of what I do and who I am. Awesome. How long ago did you start your restaurants? Um, our restaurants, we started the first one in two, which was game one, and we started that in 2008, and then game two was built in 2016. Okay. So I moved to Las Cruces in 2012, mm-hmm. and I thought the game had been here, like, forever. I yeah, the building, like the building's a historic building, it acted, without yeah. the certification. It actually held, um, it was, we have a picture of it in 1912 from a university archives picture, so it actually used to... It was, a, was one of the homesteads that the wow. state, basically, when they gave the farms to the university to do that, the, our building was there. So cool. it's been there for a really long time. It's been yeah. a lot of different things over the years, but nice. it currently will, you know, hopefully exist as the game for quite a while. Okay. So how did you get into that? How did you decide to start a restaurant? Um, by purely by accident. So I came home from college. I went in, got my bachelor's in Louisiana, came home, was waiting to get into law school. And then once I was home, my parents had a very small restaurant. So I I worked that and we started our catering company first and just kind of fell into it, had a natural knack for it. So we did catering for years and I closed our smaller restaurant. And then we stumbled into the facility that was game one. And that was supposed to be a partnership where I developed the restaurant and then turned it over to someone else. And that someone else in the process went bankrupt. So before we opened, they they told me that two weeks before we opened, uh, before we opened, we ended up taking full control of it, opening it, having to borrow a tremendous amount of money to do that because, as you know, part of the partnership was they would pay for certain things. And when people are officially bankrupt, they cannot pay for those things. Um, So we did that. So we just kind of stumbled into it. And it was a very rough first, you know, couple of years. I, I certainly learned a lot about that in the first couple of years yeah. about what it takes to survive and what it takes to keep your restaurant going and keep things going until the rest of the world figures out you're there yeah. and really dialing it in. And so, you know, we're, we're very honored to have been in business as long as we have. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your biggest obstacle that you overcame when you were starting the first restaurant? I think just the education part of it, because realistically, you know, I started it. I had worked in a couple of restaurants. I had no formal training. You know, people ask me if I went to chef school or if, you know, I got my HRTM degree or anything like that. I actually have a history degree. Very useless. Um, But I have one. Um, You know, so really the first thing was just really being able to take a step back and say, okay, what, you know, learning on the go, Mm -hmm. changing things and being very, very flexible 
to not only we need to do it a better way, but also being very flexible and very accepting of what my own limitations were mm. in experience and intelligence. I was very fortunate because I went and found some of the best restaurant managers in you know in the area, and they agreed to come work for me, and that really helped. But awesome. I, I will say there was a point when someone told me that if your restaurant survives 10 years, you know you're safe, you're good, you're, it's no big deal. And I think they are lying. That is definitely a lie. Uh, because, you know, we've been around a really long time, and every day we have a new challenge. Every day we learn something. Every, you know, every day we adapt to what is new. Certainly, 2020 has definitely... Um, been and adapt and overcome, you know, and how to react quickly to situations, exercise in that. But I, I would say that was probably the biggest challenge was just really realizing that, you know, plan A didn't work, plan B didn't work, C, I think we're probably somewhere closer to like X and Y right now. Um, but you still try. Every day you just get up and you yeah. keep going and you keep trying and eventually it works and then you work on making it better. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, this year has not been what anybody expected, and so many long-term businesses, especially restaurants, yes. have just completely shut down. So it's no, th this has definitely been an adapt and overcome challenge. You know, there are people, and, and certainly businesses, that haven't had any options, you know, uh, of what they can do. I mean, I, I think a good adapt and overcome is, you know, a good example of that is Allen Theatres. You know, they had very defined business practice, business model that had worked for years and years and years. And now suddenly, you know, we're, they have a drive-through or a drive-in movie, drive-out, yeah. drive-through, drive-in. You know, they're really, even though it certainly has diminished the income that they can make, they're, they're at least trying. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. huge. I mean, most of the restaurants, you know, we, when this started and they, the governor took us to patio only, I'm very fortunate. My patios have been huge. You know, my patios are huge. We mm -hmm. built them that way. People back in the day used to say that we were idiots for spending so much on restaurants because those puppies aren't cheap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now now we're, we're certainly benefiting from it. We have giant patios. We're able to serve a lot of people. And what we did, because I'm certainly a firm believer in always pay it forward and pay it back and help others, is we went out and built patios for smaller restaurants that didn't have any options. So we put it out to the community that if any, it had to be a small restaurant, they had to be a local restaurant, um, no chains. We did have a couple chains call, and I was like, mm, no. <laughs> that, that's not what that money's for. Uh, but we went out and put out some tents and built patios for these smaller restaurants, you know, just to give them a chance to survive. Yeah. Because even, you know, with an extra 10 to 12 tables, I mean, it gives you a chance. You know, it gives you an opportunity, it gives you a fight, it gives you something to try for versus that you just don't have anything. Because despite the Facebook authorities, who have, uh, were very vocal with saying that curbside is enough, you know, takeout is enough to keep everybody alive. For us, takeout was anywhere between 11% and 15% of what we normally would bring in. Wow. That's not enough to pay the mortgages. No. You know, and I know that the other restaurants, it's the same. So it definitely has been an adapt and overcome year. Definitely. So I want to dive into the mind of a business owner for a second. Why is it so important to keep the restaurants, the, the Allen Theaters, I love those examples you brought up. Why is it so important to keep them open and working as close to capacity as possible, especially in a time like this? Really what it comes down to is two things. One is, un one is employment and one is taxes. It, it sounds bad. You know, yes, the world could probably live without a corked bat burger. You know, they could. I, I, I'm not sure how, but they could. But really what we look at is because, especially our area and our state, 
We are so limited on our employers. We don't have big, giant industry here. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon is building a huge facility in El Paso. You know, we don't have massive industry where people come in and there's a 1,000 employees. We don't have that. So the majority of the people in our community feed their families, pay their bills, take care of themselves, working with small businesses. And, you know, restaurants are a huge employer of that. We're a massive employer of people who, you know, they're not highly skilled, they're not highly trained, there's not a lot of college degrees. We have a lot of front of house staff, waiters, bartenders that are going to school to, you know, it's a transitional job. They come to us to go to, to work while they're becoming something else. But a lot of our kitchen staff, a lot of our back of house staff, this is what they do. And they don't have college degrees. They don't have the ability to go get those $60,000, $70,000 jobs. You know, they are, you know, on the lower end. And that has nothing to do with minimum wage. That just has to do with here's what that job set is. And we have a lot of those people in our community. So when you get rid of and you shut down these small restaurants, you shut down big restaurants, you shut down Allen Theaters, you shut down all of these businesses in our community, we have a problem because we don't have an alternative for them to go get another job. So unemployment goes up. The other thing, which I think will be really interesting to see how the state looks at this and, and, and comes up with it is gross receipts taxes. You know, our gross receipts taxes pay for our police. They pay for our teachers. They pay for our city services. They pay for our state services. Yep. You know, they pay for all that. Well, when we're reduced in what we sell, we're also reduced in the taxes that we pay and that we collect. And, you know, that's why, I mean, our state started this year with a $2 billion deficit and it's not getting any better. You know, a lot of that money did come from oil gas, but the same thing. You shut everything down. We shut down people. We don't move around as much. We don't buy as much. Um, So I think those are really the two things is that, you know, the fight to stay open is important not only for the business owner, but it's also important for those employees because their bills don't stop. You know, I don't know about anybody else, but, you know, their bills don't stop. So that's a big deal. And as a business owner, do you feel responsible for... Your employees earning a wage? No, we are absolutely 100% responsible for our employees, and we take it a step further. You know, we're responsible for everything in our employees' lives. For example, when the restaurants first got shut down, and at that point in the market, everybody was racing to Walmart. Walmart was having shortages. There was no food. There was that. You know, we ordered in $15,000 worth of groceries from our suppliers and gave it out to our employees. So we take epic care of our employees. You know, we make sure they're taking care of their families. They're taking care of. We've paid taxes for people. We've, I mean, we once paid um, a $2,000 ransom. We had an employee whose children were taken by a non-custodial party, but we didn't know that. And we paid a $2,000 ransom. And you know what? We had the information on those kids 15 minutes after the Facebook post went out. And we got the kids back, and the kids are back where they need to be. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I mean, they call me mama for a reason, but I definitely feel very responsible for them. All of the decisions that I made are based on what is going to keep our company working and what's going to be able to keep everybody, you know, going and able to provide for their families. That's awesome. So a couple of rapid fire questions here. Um, what is what is your favorite thing about living in Las Cruces? I think my favorite thing about living in Las Cruces is you can get a lot of things done. You know, the people, the culture, the food's great, all that stuff. But really, our community is a very small community. We do get bigger, but it is a small community. We can solve a lot of problems very quickly. And we're able to get a lot of things done here to really make a difference in everybody's world. Yeah. You know, and that's huge. Yeah. And that's something I don't think you get in really big towns. Yep. Yeah. 
What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, I would probably say the best piece of advice I've ever received as well as that I give, which is the same, is no matter what happens, get up and keep going. Awesome. You know, no matter what you do, you have to get out of bed in the morning and you have to keep going no matter how big, you know, the, the, the roadblocks and, you know, the, the things that are laid out in front of you seem like to be the only way to get through it is to keep going. Awesome. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they get more information about you, your businesses? How can they follow you on social media? Um, social media, I'm, I have a Facebook page, and then I also I have two of them. Uh, both of them are Marcy Dickerson. You know, please please follow the page because I maxed out on friends, and people were getting mad at me, and I'm like, well, there's a page. Um, we do that. You know, I have my, my cell phone numbers everywhere. It's all over our Facebook posts, so we're happy to give it to you. But really, you know, we're in the restaurants. We're doing that, and, you know, we, we try to do a tremendous amount of charity work, and we always appreciate other people's support of that because the only thing we can do is you know the more support we get the more we can help people so we appreciate any attention people give us and we go from there definitely well thank you so much Marcy. my appreciate pleasure it. thank you and congratulations on the new podcast this thank is you. very exciting yes i'm is. excited to be the first person yeah happy to have you thank you thanks for joining us today i hope you got something from today's guest join us next week on the ben beard show to get to know another one of your favorite local business owners 